Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show, broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it is broadcast continuously for 15 years. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at tracyhotchnerpets.com. I'm also the founder and director of the annual New York Dog Film Festival, which travels the country supporting local animal welfare groups after a New York City premiere every October, alongside my annual New York Cat Film Festival, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's. This show would not be possible without the longtime support of Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food, remaining privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards. This show was also made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their cats. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, no hide, and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky Weimaran or Maisie will eat. I have a treat in store for you all. It's a book called For the Love of Dog, The Ultimate Relationship Guide, Observations, Lessons, and Wisdom to Better Understand Our Canine Companions. And I saw that and I thought, yeah, okay, isn't that something we kind of already know a whole lot about? And then I opened the book and it was a treasure trove of the most amazing drawings by Callum Heath. And it's written by Pilly Bianchi and her name rang a bell. And as soon as I began to read and read all of the huge testimonials in the front and the back and all over the book by the most famous people in the dog world, it's like, oh, right, Chaser, the the most brilliant and language-savvy dog in the history of the universe, the Border Collie, owned by this wonderful older gentleman who I hadn't exactly remembered his name other than it was John. She is his daughter, and she has written a book that is a testament to her father's genius and kindness, as well as to the dog's, uh, well, genius, but not so kind, it turns out. Pilly, it is so wonderful to have had the true joy of reading this book and seeing this book. The drawings enhance it in a way I've never seen in any book, even a children's book. It's just, you must be so 
thrilled. I know it's already being a huge success on Amazon and barely published, but how how proud are you or do you forget to be proud? Your your dad would have said, you go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Tracy, thank you so much. I mean, I, I'm... My my cheeks are hurting from smiling so much listening to you. Good. I hope you're blushing, book. and I hope your ears are burning, <laughs> although I'm saying it to you, so they can't burn if I say it right to you. It's yeah. quite extraordinary. Once I realized who you were, I said, okay, Pilly Bianchi and Callum Heath. I thought, oh, okay, well, she's the daughter of this grand master of teaching a dog over a thousand words and objects and verbs, and so she's got a co-author. Well, he's only a co-author in that his drawings, these are they pen and ink, charcoal? What do we call them? They, oh my God, they are. They're pen and ink. And I actually have Callum, after we finished the book, actually sent me the originals that what? he hand bound. It's oh insane. Oh my goodness. That is a, like, that's a collector's oh, item. That belongs in some sort of museum. But you know what? It does. They're marvelous drawings, but it, they're really, it, I've never seen such a an enhancement of text with drawings and an enhancement of drawings with text. It's quite amazing. I I think what I love the most about the book is that, okay, I started out thinking, okay, what are you going to tell me I don't know? And every page was something I hadn't thought of, I hadn't thought about, I hadn't considered. And you and your whole family, which I didn't realize, you have a huge career of your own in many other ways. But you were very involved in the Chaser saga, as was your sister. And your devotion to your father, as a person with an incredible curiosity, as a retired professor who hadn't quite conquered the ideas that he had until he met the dog. And as you say Mm. in the book, they brought out the best in each other. And I wondered, Mm. you know, were you children raised with flashcards? I mean, I know he didn't do flashcards <laughs> with Chaser, but I was I was also skeptical in the beginning. Like, was Chaser only a circus act? Is this just a bunch of like repetitive? You will learn this, or you don't get dinner. Talk to me about what he was like as a dad in terms of teaching you. Oh gosh, well the world was his classroom. So growing up with my dad really was like a box of chocolates. You never knew what you were going to get, but we knew it was going to be good. And he just had, he was ever present in our lives and he um, spent time with us. We, he introduced us to nature. He was one of the most kind people, he and my mother, they were extraordinary human beings. So um, I realized that people used to ask me in my teenage years, your father's a psychologist. Does he ever use psychology on you? And I was like, <laughs> no. Psychology is no, not a tool. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I'm like, we are not science experiments. And then I realized later, I was like, oh, my God, he did treat us <laughs> with abundance amounts of psychology. And the the worst, the, these were the harshest words he ever spoke to me. Um in my in my childhood and in my uh, teenage years, and the harshest he ever said was, "Honey, 
I'm not going to reinforce that behavior. <laughs> oh, that's like wonderful. That's anyone who understands dog training knows that we want to extinguish bad behavior by ignoring it, not not appraising yeah. it, right, or, or rewarding it. And we want to reward the behavior that, that we like. You know, what's amazing is that the book is viewed in some circles as a training book. And when I first saw that, I was like, no, this is a philosophy book. No, wait, it's a psychology book. No, wait, it's a history book. No, wait, it's just a joy of being alive book. And that's really one of the cool things. And I thought, how can it possibly be a training book? Nobody can teach their dog words. And then you go into wonderful description of how many words our own dogs already know so that we are spelling words in front of them, which I do with my dogs. And then if you can't say W-A-L-K, because as you point out in the book, they figure that out too, we say let's go for a W, and then you have to be really careful because if your tone of voice belies that you intend to go outside with them, you're already cooked. They're up and at them, right? Exactly. They are constantly listening to us. Yes, yes. And that's something that the book really helps us to understand is our dogs are all on the brink of understanding us, understanding our communication, responding to it. And we're ignoring it because we Mm. think too little of them. Would you say that's fair, Mm. Pilly? I think that's very fair. We have highly underestimated dogs. And, um, you know, the dogs of today, you know, we're not are not doing as well as dogs were two thousand years ago when they had more of a role in our lives as you know protectors, uh, herders, um, hunters. You know we were really collaborative in our evolution with dogs, which is why they're the only species on the planet that has shared an evolutionary path with us. And so now today, as we're integrating dogs into our modern life. We really need to rediscover what is so magical magical about this animal that has chosen to uh, uh, share our evolutionary path. It doesn't have to do with the food chain. Well, you know, yeah, that's true. And I wondered about something. You had a, you have a very nice timeline. Nice because we've all read in the newspaper twenty thousand years ago, two hundred thousand years ago. All these numbers that to me I'm so not numeric. I'm like, okay, yeah, dogs have been around a long time with people, but yours have drawings right. to go with it to show the different eras of human evolution and the dogs being alongside them. And you mentioned Egypt and someone who came on the show recently. I think it was Ace Tilton, who's um book is the little book of dog care or the her little book Mm. their little book Mm -hmm. said that there were wall paintings in egypt and i have been to egypt but i was only a teenager so who pays attention Mm. carefully when they're a teenager not so much but that the wall painting showed dogs doing the various hunting that we know about and guarding that we know about there was also a person kissing a dog Mm. a Mm nose-to-nose kiss now i and that's interesting because no one talks about that all we have now most people in their relationship with their dog is the affection thing. So it's us needing affection. Sorry, folks, but you know I feel that we're very selfish. You know, unconditional love means that, oh, we get to be loved unconditionally. Feels good. We'll have more of that, please. As opposed to Mm. what would the dog really like to be doing right now? It doesn't really want to be hugged and kissed so very much. But that part of the relationship is all that's sort of emphasized, and the other things, because we don't Mm -hmm. have much of anything to herd. Some people have something to guard or misguided gardens, guarding, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I think your book helps us understand the joy of play 
and of toys. Mm. And you say something interesting that it's really sad when a dog doesn't sort of have the play instinct. Mm. I have had a couple of dogs that have no interest in toys. They have a great life. They always are on long off-leash walks with me, and they're with me every hour of every day. A lot of them have been Weimaraners because mm-hmm. they sort of require that. But I thought, okay, well, these dogs just aren't interested in Certainly not in fetch or balls, but even in stuffies. You know, I've had some that they love their stuffies. They carry them around. They destroy them or they don't, and it's all good. And you can even say, get your toy, and they go get it. Now I feel so guilty. I should have said, get your llama, get your lion, (laughs) and I should make them look different. But what about dogs who don't play? You talk about that a lot in the book and the joy of play and how to encourage more of it. Why do you think it's missing in some dogs? I think that they haven't been introduced to it. They may have been um, separated from their litter mates. You know, when dogs are pre- puppies are prematurely taken, and these are, you know, these are come from puppy mills, disreputable breeders, but they're not really given that opportunity to emit those innate playful behaviors at, with their litter mates. And they can't really play with mom, you know, so when they're deprived of that, when they're puppies, that's the first sign. Um, the second sign is that they've just, uh, nobody's engaged with them, you know, and it takes two to tango, right. you know. You want to, most people want to play with somebody. Kids don't usually. Well, some kids play by themselves, but it's They're kind of on the spectrum. The kids who play yeah. by themselves are often somewhere on the spectrum, it, it turns out, which we never used to know. Right. Right. So independent play is unusual. So I've tried, I've had people that have come over to the house with their dogs and they're like, well, my dog doesn't like to play. And I'm like, well, what do you play with? And they say, (laughs) I don't know. We bought her all these toys. Right. 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 And then I said, well, it's the engagement. And that was the thing about Chaser. She had over a thousand toys, but unless she was playing with a human, she was not interested in the toys. She never played by herself. Yeah. So it's really that active engagement, running, um, chasing, finding, using all of these sort of innate instincts for the dogs in play. And that kind of hits the sweet spot that if they, you can engage them in enough in play, you're going to be turning on their on switch. Yes, and endorphins and exhaustion. Yes. You play for five exactly. minutes, real play, yes. where you're saying, blue elephant. Make, make pretend you only have one toy, because you even talk about that in the book. Start with one. So it's blue elephant. If It's good to give it a name, because after you read this book, you think, okay, I'm not going to aim for 1,022, which was Chaser's number. I'm going to go for one. I'm going to go for yes. the blue elephant, <laughs> even if it's a brown bear. Maybe I'll choose to call it That's whatever right. I want. Doesn't, and it, occur- it occurs it to me, yeah, it occurs to me. So I have one dog who I had to get as a puppy because uh, the, the resident rescue dog did not tolerate grown dogs coming in the house, much less being housemates. So, okay, I got her a puppy. And so she had a perfectly normal eight weeks with her litter. And all she and I got her from a hunting line of Weimaraners. So her mm. tracking's unbelievable. I took her to a tracking mm. class with a trainer. She could have found 
I don't know, who's that guy who's missing, the mafioso from Chicago? Oh, yeah. You know, she could have found Joey whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. But I I didn't have the time, the energy, and I had another dog, and it's very hard to do Mm -hmm. with two dogs. She really could have been the world's most amazing tracking dog if there was, you know, a Guinness World Records thing. But she wasn't (laughs) interested in toys, but it now occurs to me after reading this wonderful book, For the Love of Dog, I Should Love Wanda Better, if I put a scent on a toy, Mm. like rub some roast chicken on it, anything that would be like Mm -hmm. really scenty, and hit Mm -hmm. it and said, Mm -hmm. find the bear, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking she would like toys because I would engage her on her terms, which is really what your book's about, right? That that that's the ticket. And um, that whenever we were working with Chaser or uh, it, it was always fun. It was a game. And we would play hide-and-go-seek. She learned tracking through hide-and-go-seek. And, go seek. and oh. um, she, we, and I, I loved, my parents would hold Chaser in the living room, and I would go hide somewhere oh, in nice. the house. And I would be giggling. I would be laughing so hard because she would be go, walking around and going by, and she would keep missing me. And finally... She was looking in regular areas where she knew I might hang out. Finally, she started using her nose, and and she would find me every time. But let's be clear. A Border Collie's DNA, their brain wiring, is for sight. It isn't for sound. Oh, Every sheep yeah, ex- smells alike. Exactly. They're all good yeah. and smelly, you know? But yeah. as your father found out when he went to hang out with some Border Collie farmers, that is to say sheep farmers who had Border Collies, they weren't farming Border Collies, um, And he said something about the dogs being alike or their commands. And one farmer said, I can tell Bo to go get Murgatroyd, which is the name of a particular sheep. And Bo, only Bo, goes and gets Murgatroyd. So that was pretty amazing because I don't think most of us even knew that. Right. I I certainly didn't know that. And um, I don't even know that my my father clearly didn't know that. He'd been going to all of these Border Collie trials. And it was hanging out with the... He had used dogs in his classroom um, for years in the 80s and the 90s before anybody else was. And he would uh, demonstrate herding. Um, He would have the students go over and witness Wayne West at his ranch and couple of students said uh, they were watching the dogs do their thing and herd all the sheep and get them through the gate. And a couple of snarky boys said, um, well, that doesn't seem so hard. And Wayne, <laughs> Wayne and Dad didn't say a word, but they said, okay, now you go do it. And so they let the two boys go try to herd up all the sheep. Interesting. And they, they were running around for 20 minutes. They were hollering and shouting, and they were com- didn't get one sheep. <laughs> of and course, they just scattered them. They scattered them, and that gave the students a, a deeper respect. But also, you know, that was my dad and Wayne. They didn't say a word after that. They just said, okay, time to go. Yeah, you know? yeah, very low-key, very low-key. Yeah, uh, it's, you know, actions uh, speak louder than words. <laughs> Well, I just want to say, in in conclusion about this magnificent book, For the Love of Dog, The Ultimate Relationship Guide, I'm pretty sure that if you didn't have a dog and you had a cat or no pet, this book has Mm. so much 
wisdom in it. Uh, cat owners really could get a lot out of this. I mean, kitty oh. cats are so smart and want to be interactive mm-hmm. and are so ignored. And when you said the thing about toys, people buy six cat toys and put them on the floor. Uh, no, they're interested in chasing mm-hmm. a bug or a mouse. So you better act like a bug or a mouse or they're not exactly. going to play, right? I think you've yes. you've done an amazing credit to your father. Oh, I wish he was alive and your mom. Thank you. To enjoy you. What the fruits of your labor, which are really an apple off of his tree, but in your very <laughs> own style with so much grace and wit and charm. It's just a yummy book. Mm. And it's one Aww, that you can kind you. of pop open at any page and go, wow. It, you just look at it anew because there's such amazing drawings throughout it. Pilly Bianchi yeah, and Callum Heath you. have done such a great job for the love of dog. I think it's number one on Amazon. Let's make it number one with a bullet or whatever they call it. Pilly, thank you so much for being here and for this great contribution to our relationships. Oh, thank you, Tracy. It's always a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the show. There's a few more special companies that make the show possible, and I hope you'll try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. I want to thank Wonderside, founded by a woman entrepreneur who discovered an effective natural way of using plant-powered products to repel fleas, ticks, and other parasites on our pets instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them. Wonderside makes it possible to protect your pets, children, and property without the chemicals that could be harmful to all of us. The show is also underwritten by Evermore Pet Food, privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible, ethically sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door. They founded and run their own company and answer only to their own high standards. Finally, we're supported by Magic Fabric Pet Throws, developed by a husband-wife team whose expertise in the textile industry solved the problem of their big hairy dog, Molly, who got on the couch in bed with them, despite her wet fur, muddy paws, and shedding. Sound familiar? They created machine-washable Magic Fabric Pet Throws to trap pet hair, dirt, and moisture, letting you enjoy dog and cat cuddle time without sacrificing your clothes, furniture, or decor. You can buy direct from the creators at magicfabric.com.